Welcome to Never Again Is Now, a podcast about anti-Semitism. I'm Evelyn Marcus. And I am Phyllis Dimbler-Miller. We all know that anti-Semitic incidents are soaring following Hamas's brutal October 7th attack on civilians in Israel. Yet it is still surprising when we learn what happened to 11-year-old Jewish girls at a middle school in Manhattan Beach, California. Our guest today is Rabbi Joshua Kalev. Since 2016, he has been senior rabbi at Congregation Tikvat Jacob in Manhattan Beach, California, where the families of three of the four girls are members. Rabbi, welcome to our show, and thank you so much for making the time to come on. Such an honor to be with you both. Thank you for having me. Well, rabbi, let's start from the very beginning. What happened? Well, as you said, it's 11-year-old girls, so it's such an unfortunate incident. Um, these four girls were going about their day following the massacre in Israel on October 6th and 7th. So right after that, they were enjoying their day at middle school. And in three separate incidents, they were approached by another student who started by asking them, Palestine or Israel? And the girls were a little taken aback, but they answered Israel. And she said, wrong answer. And she started then getting more and more angry, speaking about how they are part of an Israeli conspiracy, that Jews are trying to kill Arabs throughout the world. And what Hamas did was finally the answer. And she said, and I quote, if Hamas does not kill you all, I will. And there were other exchanges, but it got more heated, more heated. And these girls, these four girls were really taken aback because they were not expecting it. They, one of them didn't really even know much about what was going on. And so they just felt like, wow, what is happening right now? And all four of them went to their teacher separately um, to complain and report the incident. So that's how the initial incident happened. And and these uh, girls who, who this happened to, they are members of your congregation, is that correct? So three out of the four girls are members. The fourth girl, she came here to preschool and was a member of our community. Um, or actually, I should say a family member came here to preschool, but she's no longer a member of our community. But I know the family very, very well. Um, one important thing to know is these four girls did not know the girl who attacked them. So it's not like they were friends at school. It's a large middle school. So they never had an interaction. And two of the four girls didn't really know the other Jewish girls. So it's not like they were this tight, close knit of four girls that came up with this story. They don't, their paths really didn't cross much um, with each other. But clearly and, they so, identified so, yes. as Jews. Just let me ask that question. But they were known as Jews. So that's the piece that kind of shocked them. One of the girls was wearing a Jerusalem shirt that she got on an Israel trip. And another girl was wearing Magendavi Jewish star earrings. But the other two girls were not wearing anything identifiable. But she sought them out because they were Jewish students. That is correct. And, and uh, Rabbi, this happened 
in the same moment they were all standing all the four together these g jewish girls or did the girl who who did this to them go from one to the other good question so there were three separate incidents so two of the girls were together at the lunch table so that happened together and then the other two girls were different incidents um, all together so there were three separate incidents where pretty much the same thing was said at each of those incidents. Wow. Um, by the way, one other thing to know is the girl also made very inflammatory um, comments in class as well, um, but none of the four girls were a part of that. And did how, the teacher- how, how, oh, Go ahead. Sorry, how, how did the girls react to this oh, at, at the moment it happened and also let's say, emotionally afterwards? So they were quite shocked because they were not expecting any of this. They were just going about their day. And 11-year-old girls are innocent. So the last thing you think of is people are going to start coming and attacking your religion, who you are. Um, so they were very shocked. They were very shaken up. And they did go to their teachers who were supportive and reported it to the administration but I, I will tell you, it has caused a lot of PTSD, so to speak, after the incident. The girls didn't know, and they wear a shirt that comes from Israel to school. Can they wear a Magen David? Um, and they're, they've been really shaken by all of this. Yeah. I'm curious just to know, did the teacher in class do anything when the girls weren't there? Do you know what happened? Uh, when the students spoke up in that teacher's classroom? My understanding from the students is the teachers didn't do much. They really diffused the situation, but then they privately went to the administration. I think as we talk further, one thing you'll come to understand is that both the teachers and administration really did not have the necessary tools to be able to handle a situation like this. Okay. What action did the, uh, the school take against this incident? So when an incident like this happens, um, the school is supposed to um, do a few things. One, they're supposed to investigate the matter. Um, and I can talk about what they really did in terms of the investigation, what they didn't. Um, and then they also use something called a no contract contact contract which is hard to say five times. Um, but this no contact contract um, is a document that the parties are asked to sign so that they don't talk about the incident and they don't come into contact with the student so that the incident is not inflamed. So those are the two pieces that the school says that they did, um, but that was a few days later. Immediately after the incident, nothing really happened. The parents were not contacted. The kids came home and said, mom and dad, this is what happened. And so I, as their rabbi, got one of the first calls to say, what are we supposed to do now? And what were they supposed to do now? Well, um, I have a direct line to the superintendent. So I immediately called the superintendent and said, what's going on. Um, shockingly, the superintendent didn't really know. Um, 
So the principal kind of decided to keep this situation under wraps, felt that she could handle it. And what she did in the coming days was to ask each student to come to her to a teacher's office and write on a note card what they believed happened. And that's the way they were going to handle it. Um, that was the investigation. The superintendent said that he couldn't comment on an incident like that when I first spoke with him, but that he would follow up with me. So I spoke with each of the families and said, look, we've got to figure out how the school is going to handle this. And this is hate. This is anti-Semitism. And there are organizations out there that we need to be in touch with so they can support you as well, like the Anti-Defamation -Def League, the ADL, like Stand With Us and others that are great advocacy groups um, and can speak to the institutions. It's important to note that all the schools here in Manhattan Beach have taken part in the ADL's No Place for Hate program, which is a program that schools can sign on to to receive that designation if they follow certain guidelines. Um, it seems like that's a great slogan for the school to adopt, but they really did not have in place the tools to help these girls and conduct a thorough investigation. My what, question, what, yeah, I just want to say, where was the educational component? These, this is a school. Why wasn't there an assembly in addressing hate? I just, I just can't understand that. Wow, it's such a good question. Um, look, you know, I know that the schools are under pressure from every side. So that if you devote time to one minority group, then you have to devote time to others. But in this instance, I think a really strong statement to say, this was anti-Semitism. This was a girl who sought out Jewish students, not Israelis, not IDF soldiers, but Jewish students going about their day and spewed hate against their religion. And the school was really kind of wishy-washy in their initial statements. And then we can eventually talk about where we are today, which I believe is even more troubling than where we were a few days after the incident. So yes, tell no us. assembly. Um, so where we are today is that, um, unfortunately, the family of the student who made these remarks has received um, has received a lot of community outrage. Um, a death threat was a letter was sent to their home. The girl at school was approached by other students who were very angry at her words. And those are all extremely upsetting incidents. And I want to be very clear, that is not at all what we want for this family. It's not at all what we want for this 11-year-old girl. And as a rabbi, I wrote a very strong email to my community saying, that is not at all the way we behave as Jews. And I don't believe that my community members did that, but I wanted them to get that message. I also want to say, we've never asked for this girl to be expelled or excommunicated, so to speak. This is an 11-year-old. And as you said earlier, 
I think education is the key. But since those um, things happened to this family and the student, the family has now um, had Muslim advocacy groups step in like CARE and other groups. And the message coming out of those groups and the family is now that this never happened. The, the girl just wanted to debate politics with her fellow students and that this was just an innocent political discussion at lunch and at other times. And there was never, ever any hatred spewed and that the Jewish community wanted this to be the message that everybody heard, but it never happened. And so here we are, um, a community that is hurting greatly for students who are hurting greatly, um, few of whom have been very courageous and have stepped up throughout this to speak up against what happened. And now essentially they're being called liars. And I, as a rabbi who have spoken a, about this across the country, have been told I've made up this whole story. Um, you know, there are seven witnesses to what the girls are saying. We've all said the same thing. And I don't know, I don't, I feel like I'm living in an alternate universe uh, where all of a sudden you can claim something never happened and people will believe you. And so how do we create the truth today when there's so much misinformation, anybody can say anything and people will believe it. It's, it really hurts my heart, I have to say. Yes, I understand, Rabbi. And um, the, the, the school has not reacted to that um, um, uh, denial of what happens? They have. So initially we got them to start using the word anti-Semitism, which was very hard for them to use. But now they've stepped back from that. And my understanding from one of the families who met with the principal and superintendent yesterday is they are not admitting anti-Semitism. They are saying that this was a political incident once again, because they used that initially. And, um, and they are now speaking about hate, both for Islamophobia and anti-Semitism, given what the family has gone through. And so, so you know, look, again, I want to be very clear. I don't want harm to come to this family. But when we speak of other hatreds in this one incident, I feel like we dil dilute the anti-Semitism that took place. And we deserve for this community to speak up against anti-Semitism. God knows we as Jews over many, many years have stood up for many civil rights causes, as we should. But now it's time for those groups to speak up as well. Right. And this is not the first time that um, the CARE, the Council of is is um, American Islamic relations that um, uh, is active against Islamophobia um, uh, is, is 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 working on pairing uh, the the condemnation of anti-Semitism with the condemnation of Islamophobia, whereas in 
in the the alliance of of minorities, um, Black Lives Matter, the LGBTQ movement, um, etc., um, the anti-Semitism is not part of their struggle. So um, whenever something happens to Jews, the uh, the alliance against hate is is not there to defend us and help us as Jews and the uh, when <clears throat> when care is involved they will immediately try to dilute it to um um pre preventing uh, hatred of muslims and also uh, other hate i, I just want yeah, to say yeah please please I just don't understand why a history teacher isn't brought on stage at the at the middle school and literally talks about the history of, you know, going back to the Balfour Declaration, et cetera, et cetera. Just the facts so that students have some grounding. I'm not even talking about October 7th. I'm simply talking about the facts of the state of Israel and Jordan being given, you know, the whole Jordan land. I'm talking in shorthand because that's not the subject of this uh, right. podcast. But if I were a teacher and that's a parent in that school, what should I do? How could I get the school to teach history? Yeah, look, I mean, we know here in California, we are, um, we we have all sides on this issue, as does everywhere. And California often tends to leave the history of Israel aside, especially with this new ethnic studies curriculum that we're all very nervous about. Um, so I think for me, what I try to do is really empower our Jewish students to know this history and to be able to stand up when somebody makes a claim like this student did you know, to feel confident that they can do that. Do I expect that of a public middle school? I mean, I wish I could. Um, unfortunately, I think for, for them, they need this off their table. So how do they do that? They say, well, we take our students to the Museum of Tolerance. That's enough. We do that, you know? They use these one-and-done type of events to show that they are care so much about hate and ant and Judaism and things like that. But you're right. It would take a very powerful teacher to stand up and teach these facts to our students to say, this is a very complicated history and there are people hurting on both sides. But let me tell you a few things that have taken place to show that it's not so black and white and one-sided. Um, I'm totally with you. I just don't know if that's a realistic expectation um, and if I should be spending that much energy on that when I don't know if I'll get anywhere. But I'm so with you. I'm totally with you. I just, I just don't know. So parents have, so I was going to ask you these three quick. What do yeah, we need to train our Jewish students to do at the moment of something happening so that they don't get it physically attacked? Uh, afterwards how to report it and after, then to keep themselves safe and then to make a difference to somehow 
some of these students, okay, it's middle school. So I have to keep saying middle school because if it was high school, right. say go to a history teacher and say, please, not necessarily a Jewish history teacher, just someone who actually knows the facts and say, right. could you come with us and plan a program for the school? There has yeah. to be, as you said, you, you earlier said twice that the school district didn't have the tools. What would right. be the tools to deal with that kind of incident? Well, first of all, in terms of any incident like this, um, I would hope the school would know how to make the students feel like they've literally been attacked, whether it's physical or not. I mean, it should be the same reaction that the student has a safe place knowing that the teachers, the administration will be on their side and to bring the parents into the conversation how can you not have parents involved in this conversation so that at home it can be continued and it's seamless. It's a seamless partnership between the school and the parents. So to me, that's number one. Um, in terms of what tools can we give the students? Look, I just had a middle school family come to me this weekend and say, my student, my, my child says to me, I don't know what I would do if somebody came up to me and did that. And so I don't think in middle school to start debating politics is the best thing. Our middle school students are just not equipped for that. And so I do think though, they can be equipped to be proud Jews and to say, I have a very different approach. I have a very different perspective. And so I don't wanna spew the kind of hate you're spewing, but I want you to know that I won't tolerate allowing you to say those things because I do not believe them. I think any student can say that and feel comfortable with those words. Um, so I want them to at least feel empowered to stand up for what they value and what they believe in. When we get to high school, though, those students can come back with facts and say, that's not at all what's going on in Israel that there's a much deeper history and to share some of the important facts that they know. Um, and we've been sharing those. We've been reading Noah Tishby's beautiful book on Israel and our teens know that book inside and out. We've been reading the very beautiful book, my, A Letter to My Palestinian Neighbors uh, by Yossi Klein-Alevi, who also really wrote a great book to be able to come back and have a positive conversation. So those are the tools that I think are age appropriate, that I want my Jewish students to feel comfortable um, standing up for when they're in school. And then in terms of the school, you know, when you're gonna do an investigation, learn how to do an investigation. Don't have a student write on a note card what they thought might've happened, but again, bring everybody together. I think one of the killers about this situation is that all the families, both the one who attacked and those who were attacked can't sit around a table and figure this out. I mean, we're brothers, we're sisters. We all came from the same source. And while we might have very different perspectives on what our people are going through, how can we not use our humanity to come together? And I'm trying to make that happen because I I know some of the Jewish families really want to sit across the table from this other family and say, 
can we find a better path? But there's been some pushback. So we're trying to make that happen. But I think that's a, a key piece as well um, to all of this. I will say at the high school level and the middle school level, there are Jewish clubs at each of the schools that do meet. They're Jewish cultural clubs that try to bring in non-Jewish students and well as well and teach some of this. Um, but it's hard. It's a, it's a really complicated situation. Look, us as adults don't even know how to have this conversation. So it's hard to expect that 11-year-olds would as well. I don't know if I got to every question you asked, so I'm happy to go over some of that. But I think it's Evelyn's turn to ask a question. Sure. Um, well, for schools in general to handle such incidents, um, you want you would. What are the tools that you would like them to have? You, you said education. You said investigation. Are there other tools? Necessary. Look, I want, yeah, I mean, I want the administration to be as prepared as, as the teachers are. So I want both of them to have the same type of training. This shouldn't be just kept at one level. The front line, those te teachers who are in the classroom every day, should know when they hear hate. You know, when somebody says something about Israel, and they should know that fine line between criticizing a country and anti-Semitism. And they need to be able to stop that conversation in its tracks. So I want both teacher and administrator to receive the same kind of training. I do want the ADL to come in. I want Stand With Us to come in. I want Facing History as Ourselves to come in. I want all these groups that can lead these conversations to come in so that the adults in the room can be prepared. And in this preparation, I'm hoping that in their knowledge of Jewish history and Israel's history, it can bleed into preparing them for other hatred that might be spewed. You know, we, when somebody spews something against an Asian, the teachers will have the tools that they learned about anti-Semitism to then bring that into that conversation as well. So. Yes. To me, though, that's critical education on multiple levels. Um, yes. I want our school also to know, and the entire district to know, that they are not alone in this fight, that they need to be reaching out to clergy members, city leaders, all of those in the country that have expertise that can join in in speaking up, in being present, We're here for them. We can bring in experts to meet with parents so they can have these conversations at home. We can bring in experts to do assemblies with Holocaust survivors and others to talk about hate firsthand in what people have experienced. So rely on the community a little bit and don't just sweep this under the rug. That ultimately is what happened. The principal wanted to put this aside so she didn't have to deal with it. And in the end, it became a national news story and a much bigger headache than she ever wanted. And so um, for that, I think, are some of the things that 
they have to learn from all of this. I think those are all very good suggestions and and also many of them must be doable also feasible for for schools and i i think it it could make a diff, big difference if some or all of these suggestions would be um uh, implemented at schools um we we saw a lot of that also happen um about other hate in schools um so just do this kind of same thing and do it about anti-Semitism. It's exactly right. You know, if you would take out Jewish students and replace it with any other group. Exactly. We all know the outrage that would have gone on, rightly so. But I want the same outrage and same plan of action for our Jewish students. And that's why I've been working day and night for the last few weeks. And and let me just also say, shame on the Manhattan Beach school system. This is not the first incident of anti-Semitism. You know, we have been talking about this swastikas play, scribbled on lockers and all of this over the last many years. So they should have known this is coming. They should have had a plan in place and they didn't. And that I think is what is just so painful. Rabbi, Rabbi yeah. oh, go ahead, Evelyn, if you have another question. I wanted to tell him that this Please. is so important. We hope that many, many people will listen to this podcast because I really feel that parents need to take, an whose children are in public school, need to take an active role now. And not just, as uh, Evelyn and I interviewed someone, uh, two women in Austin, Texas, who really took it upon themselves. Every time the swastikas were just cleaned off the high school bathroom, that was the end of it. And they literally changed that mindset of, of uh, the school by going in and saying, no, you have to talk about this. You can't just keep whitewashing it. And I use that word meaning in both meanings. Right, right, 100%. And that's what we've seen, you know, the school board will say, okay, we'll give some money to cameras so we can see who's doing it. And that's it. We'll take the kids to a museum and that's it. It doesn't work. This has to be ongoing education. And I guess what makes me also so sad is why are we creating students who can't have difficult conversations, right? I mean, that's what schools are supposed to be. They're supposed to be places where we learn, we debate, we feel safe in that debate, and then we come out stronger for it. Sometimes my views are challenged and I learn somebody else's views. Why is that not happening? Um, and uh, I, I hate to say it, but my two kids, I have a 16-year-old and 14-year-old, they go to a private school. It's not a Jewish school, but it's a private school. And I am so proud of the way they've handled what took place in October. The statement they were able to put out, which used the words Israel, terrorism, Judaism. I just don't know why that's so hard to do as a public school. I know they're under maybe greater pressures, but what happened on October 6th and 7th, there's no, there's no debate. It, you know, the school should have stepped up. Well, I, I think um, ideology may be a, a part of the reason in, in um, 
a few cases or in many cases, I don't know how many cases, but we have seen um, the, the teachers union demonstrate um, against Israel and um, even um, uh, denying that it was uh, Islamic Jihad who threw the bomb on the, on the hospital in Gaza and insisting it was Israel even after um that uh, was was largely discussed in the media that it's it was not Israel um so that may also have an influence on on public schools in in cases uh, where this is happening no uh, question no question yeah it's really hard to debate with somebody who believes in conspiracy theories and and lies I mean, still have now not found a good technique to get them to change their mind or see a different perspective. So if you hear of one, please let me know. Yes, I would like to just say as we thank you that that I think is a distinction between debating with people who are so ideological hardliners. What I'm talking about is the area where we can educate, where Correct. people, I'm just thinking, I told Evelyn earlier about a friend, just people who really don't know but art hardliners, that is our job to fill in that gap of education. And the schools need to be the front runners instead of the laggards. So Rabbi, we know you're very busy. We thank you so much for coming on. We thank our listeners. For those of you who want to know more about Evelyn or myself or our, our, our work in these fields, you can go to Never Again Is Now podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And as we end every episode, we say, without putting yourself in physical harm, please speak up against anti-Semitism and all hate. You guys are amazing.